0: So you might notice that there's no warning, no introduction music or anything at the beginning of this. That's because we don't actually have a new episode recorded for this week. What I'm going to do this week is we're just going to put up the raw, unedited audio of... The interview that we conducted with Sonny Strait at Anime Festival Orlando 2007. Sonny Strait is best known as being the voice of Krillin in the Funimation English dub of Dragon Ball Z, but he's also been in One Piece and Lupin the Third and a couple other things like that, just in case you didn't know who he was. I'm not sure why we were selected to do this interview. We have no experience interviewing people. I'm not even sure I've even seen a full episode of Dragon Ball Z dubbed in my life. But all you people who always write in to say, why does it take so long for AWO to come out? And the answer is because we have to edit our show syllable by syllable to sound even remotely coherent. And you're going to notice that as you hear me stutter and stumble and try to formulate a complete sentence for however long this thing runs. Anyway, it goes without saying that if this is your first time listening to the Anime World Order podcast, hit stop. Don't listen to this episode first. In fact, any episode that's labeled bonus in the front of it, don't listen to that episode because it's not representative of our regular content or show format or anything. If you go to a numbered show like Anime World Order, show number, whatever... That's fine. You can listen to that as your first exposure to us. But please, for the love of God, don't listen to this first. Anyway, here goes the panel audio to this interview. Again, not editing it. He might have said some things that, oh, he wasn't supposed to let people know about just yet. And I can't remember because I haven't actually listened to this. I'm just throwing it up here because people need something to listen to. And you hear me choke in front of lots and lots of people. So if he did say something that oh this is not released yet or whatever just email me with the time and i'll delete it or something like that because the last thing i need is angry funimation people getting on my case because oh we didn't know that was being recorded but they did know it was being recorded because there are people in the crowd with like camcorders or whatever all right for real this time here we go all right that's the fangirl squeal with the notes that the party's begun everyone please welcome mr sunny straight Hi. Yeah, go ahead. Take a seat. We only have one microphone, so we have to fight over it. No, you get the one. Okay.
1: What is this about?
0: <laughs> some some kind of weird cartoons from Japan. <laughs> oh right right right. Heard of them? The ones where the where the dudes fight each other, and sometimes kiss.
2: <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't
1: get to do any of those. <laughs> I don't
2: know. I hear it's
0: mostly oh,
1: <laughs> yeah. mostly porn. Is this the hentai page? I don't know. <laughs>
0: Oh, my God. So, yeah. Everybody, in case you don't know, Sonny Strait is a guy who does voices for cartoons. But well, that's not all. He's a
1: Renaissance man. <laughs> yeah. um, I'm also a comic book artist and manga artist. I, to... I did um, this book that comes out next week. It's called We Shadows. It's from Tokyo Pop. I signed a three-book deal with him. Check it out in three days. comes out on the 7th. In every bookstore, you can get it. So please get it. Write me and let me know what That's you think. What we shadows. And, and if they want to write you, where can they write you? MySpace.com/sonion. forward Sunyan. <laughs> I heard
0: some boos over the mention of the word MySpace. Have we got some Facebook devotees here instead?
2: Up,
0: up. Oh. Oh, oh. right, wait, wait. Facebook. Movie?
2: Isn't booing I the
0: only. Is this a new site? Yeah, yeah this is like the new competitor to MySpace. Everyone's got to have a face. I just got used to MySpace.
2: Would yeah. you guys Isn't booing the only appropriate response to MySpace?
1: It's certainly
0: an easy thing here. Gaia Online! Gaia Online? No! Gaia Online, out of the question. I stole it. What? G-A-I-A. Gaia. No, no. Don't write this, Sonny. No, no. He's he's doing it! He's doing it! You Gaia people are a cult, I know, I went to Otacon, I saw you there. (laughs) (laughs) Oh man, so... What is the title of this panel? The title of this panel is "A Conversation with Sunny Strait. Oh! Okay! I can do this one with blindfolding! Alright, let's have a conversation.
1: Uh, How are you guys doing, anyway? (laughs) As, as, as any conversation, let's just sit back and relax and we get to know each other a little better. Can we dim the lights? No, I guess not. Oh, uh, we, we actually had the lights turned on just for you. Oh, nice. So does anyone have any questions of, uh, that uh, they would like to ask
0: me? I have a question. Yes,
1: sir. You in the front row. <laughs>
0: I was just wondering, how, how is it that you were able to to throw those Destructo Discs with such amazing precision? And also, it's a two-part question. Do you feel, uh, you know, ever uh, slightly annoyed when people fail to separate you from the characters you play?
1: Well, um, no, not really. Uh, actually, uh, the Destructo Disc is actually it's kind of a strange thing. It, it seldom hits what I'm aiming for, really. Although a lot of people think I do just because I cut off Freeze's tail one time. <laughs> but, uh... Second part of the question. <laughs> 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 I, I guess it's already been
0: answered. Oh, okay. We'll just pass this
1: back to you
0: then. All right. All right. So yeah. Um, obviously, I took an informal poll in the audience, and a lot of people have never been to an anime con before, and been to AFO. So we gotta, we, we gotta we gotta break down. We gotta ask the questions that you you have a three by five index card, it's stamped to the back of your head for answering. Everybody wants to know the secret, Sonny. How does one become? a magnificent and multi-talented voice actor slash director, such as yourself. Slash manga artist. Slash
1: manga artist. Well, it's actually... Slash manga artist! It's an easy process. <laughs> uh, it only takes about 20-something years. And, uh, so, yeah, you start now or you're young. Um, I started out uh, drawing and acting in high school, mainly. And I uh, had that interest all through there. I was a theater jock and got to college on a theater scholarship and had a minor in art. And did a lot of theater, did a lot of community theater and semi-professional and professional theater around the Dallas-Fort Worth area. And Funimation moved out to Dallas and we had open auditions. And I didn't expect to get a part, but I thought it would be fun to do. So I was just in there having to have a good time. And uh, read the part of Krillin amongst others and got the part of Krillin. And then got the part of Toonami Tom for the Cartoon Network. And from then on, I just suddenly I had a career that I never really looked for. But in the meantime, I had s- several comic books published before I actually got on Dragon Ball Z. Um, but th- I think that just helped me with the exposure of Dragon Ball Z, helped my comic books sell more, too.
0: So get a comic book. Get a comic book. Be an actor. Be an actor. And audition you- for parts. Get the part. Right. <laughs> and then make sure that when you do the audition, it's for a show that's 300 episodes long, so you have unlimited job security. Oh,
1: and sacrifice a cat, Kali, the grand god. No, don't
0: do that. <laughs> All right, so I, I'm noticing some people are raising their hands for questions. Let's send people out. Go, go forth and, and get questions. In the meantime, I'll ask more different questions while they're doing that. So were you... As far as, you said it was a career you weren't really looking for. Were right. you really aware of like this whole anime thing prior to this audition? Did you watch anime? Were you into it first, or what? I, I watched a few
1: anime. I liked uh, Project Echo was one of my favorites. It's old school. You guys remember Project Eiko? That's an awesome anime. Um, and I watched the old Dragon Ball series, actually. I, I just was at uh, the video store, and I saw these uh, weird little cartoons, and I thought, this is fun. And uh, they, they were actually in the original Japanese, which is really cool, actually, I like those. And um, nothing gets dumbered, but, uh And years later, when I auditioned for uh, Dragon Ball Z, I had no idea it was the same show. And I was walking in the studios and I saw a poster of Little Goku on a cloud and stuff like this, and I was like, oh, I've seen that, what is that? And they said, dude, that's a show you're on. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs>
0: All right, so uh, I guess he's still looking for cool questions, but let's say, I mean, the main thing everyone knows about Dragon Ball Z, to be a voice actor for it, if you were to measure, let's say, the power level
1: of your lungs,
0: what number would you
1: say it would be greater than? Well, all the mold in the air lately, uh, it's pretty low, but I could probably do a Kamehameha if anybody wants to hear it. uh, uh, All right. <clears throat> Kame, Kame,
2: ha!
0: So, yeah, so, all right, so, so for, the, for those of you in the crowd who have a, a scouter, what did the scouter say that power level was? <laughs> all right. Excellent. <laughs> oh man, so. I figured that had to happen. Yeah, it had to happen at some point. we got to get this out of the way now. Yeah, yeah. While everyone's got the energy for it.
1: <laughs> oh man. These are good too if you're a voice actor. Oh yeah. Cough drops. Cough drops. What is the recommended
0: codeine. brand of cough drops for Sunny Straight? The ones with codeine?
1: <sighs> yes, if you can find it. Otherwise, <laughs> Halls are good. Uh, Ricola is good. There's a spray Nicola.
0: called Singer Saving
1: Grace Spray is awesome, and it's, it'll get you back up to 70% really fast. All right, so... Oh, we have of questions cor- written down? No, 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 we have cheat sheets, but, I mean, the
0: thing is, despite uh, the fact that most people knew you for Krillin, you've, uh, you've got a, a, other things on your resume, too, uh, that's, uh, that I thought some people kind of kind of liked uh, Full Metal alpha. Uh, A couple of people like that one. Maybe, maybe you heard about it. What is it? Uh, it's this show about, like, this guy, Nazis, these
2: Nazis, oh and... <laughs> Nazis. I think one of them likes mini skirts a lot or something. Yeah. Uh,
1: that is an odd idea for a show. I know. Yeah. And then there's
0: this this guy with the ultimate eye. <laughs> but yeah, tell us a little bit about uh, the whole Full Metal Alchemist experience for you. <laughs> like, you know Maze Hughes, the character? That guy? <laughs> Yeah, uh, hey, there he is right There now. he
1: is! Isn't he cute? Don't know daddy! <laughs> yeah, this is a great oh part. i kinda of a typecast in that because that? I am a yeah, husband and father that's and, that's and that's uh, one of the lines is... Hang on, that must be my wife's name. All right. Hold on a second. Oh, it's Colleen Clinkenbeard. Hi Colleen, what's going on? she's next on the chopping block. Hang on just a second, could you say hi to Colleen? Hi Colleen! Hi! Did you hear that? <laughs> I'm in a panel right now, can I help you? <laughs> hear me
2: now. Can you
1: I can't hear me? have lunch with you, does anybody want to take me to lunch? Or... <laughs> Whoa, I got lunch dates, sorry.
2: Watch the Colleen ghost.
1: says hi. I'm gonna let you go. Bye, love. That's not my wife. But uh, one of the lines was, right right back into it. Uh, one of the lines was, uh, sorry, but I have a wife and daughter to go home to, right? And uh, in the audition, that was one of our lines too. And I said the line, and then I got out of the booth, and uh, Colleen was actually speaking up, was casting that show. And she, she asked me if I could to hang out like go out after the show. I said, sorry, i got a wife and a daughter to go home to. And I think that kind of nailed it for me.
0: On the subject of your daughter, do you have any, any choice, uh, words of encouragement for Alicia? As, uh, as requested by uh, a certain member of the crowd. You wouldn't let him down, would you? Encouragement
1: for Alicia? Okay. Daddy's still here. He's just haunting you.
0: Is that encouraging? I feel encouraged right now. <laughs>
2: there, you go. There, there, there are worse people to be haunted
0: by, surely. Yeah. Yeah. So. Remember that time that we were haunted by Elvis? Oh. Elvis it was the fat Elvis, <laughs> too, man. We were robbed. Was it
2: real fat Elvis or extreme Elvis? I don't
0: That's remember. I plead the fifth. So... You're better off not not knowing what is being talked about. But you mentioned uh, Colleen is uh, casting the show for Full Metal Alchemist, but not only is she a director for that dub, she's also an actor. And the same thing can be said for you. So can you tell us a little bit about uh, some of the shows that you've, or the title that you've uh, had some directing experience on?
1: Well, um, Funimation did not uh, get access to the Lupin the Third uh, TV shows, but we did get 13 of the movies. And I directed all but one of those. Uh, if, you get, if you want to see really good animation, check that out. They're really well animated and well written, too. And a lot of the lines of those shows were actually written in the booth by the actors. Most of the cast are very good at improvising, and they can improvise on cue with flaps, which is pretty hard to do. Uh, so I directed a lot of those. I directed a lot of the Dragon Ball episodes. I directed um, some Fullmetal Alchemist, some case closed. I think I have my hand in just about everything there. A little bit of Kitty Grade, yeah. Love Kitty Grade. And i actually, uh, I wrote three episodes of Kitty Grade. I wrote a lot of episodes of Dragon Ball, too. And um, what else? Kodicha, I directed a little Kodicha. And I, I played Ginger on Kodicha, and yeah, she is. Um, And that's pretty much it.
2: Well, since we've already talked about uh, Krillin and Hughes, um, I-, I see here that uh, you're listed also as uh, Usopp in One Piece, so how about you talk about uh, what it's like to work on a-, a show as interesting as One Piece?
0: Oh, oh just so, just to cool, we heard some ahs in the crowd. No, it's it's
1: the new One Piece dub, not the not Four have heard. No, yeah, yeah,
2: it's the Funimation dub, not yeah.
1: Yeah, four kids lost the license for that, and um, it's uh, given to Funimation now. Uh, They recast it, um, and it's very interesting because the Japanese said that this time they wanted to cast it. So we had the auditions at Funimation, and we sent them off. The top ten of the director's choice went out to Japan, and the Japanese creators saw it and decided who they wanted to play these parts. That was the first time I was cast that way, and I was cast as Usopp, and I'm very, very excited to be playing that part. He is a fun, fun character, and i am really trying to pe- play him as close to the original Japanese actor as possible, mm-hmm. which is hard, because that guy has a really scratchy voice most of the time.
0: <laughs> so, yeah, that's just, that makes two shows, both uh, for Lupin and for One Piece, mm-hmm. where you've sort of taken a part that's been played by other people. In case of Lupin, there's Actually, another... Actually, we drum. had
1: Lupin first. Oh, you had Lupin first? Yeah, we just didn't
0: get the rights of the team. So, let's say that Tony Oliver showed up to this con right now, the other Lupin the Third voice, and you were to fight, since you're also the voice of Lupin the Third in Funimation. Let's say you had a sword that fired laser beams. Okay? <laughs> let's say Tony Oliver had a large wooden stick. Who would win? <laughs> I would put
1: the gun down and still kick his ass.
0: Yeah. Oh. I hope you're listening, Tony Oliver. He's he's out there. I can...
2: Tony Oliver's a big guy, man. He I think he can probably yeah, pretty. Yeah, but Travis
1: far. is a good friend of mine. He oh. Is. Tra-
0: Travis Williams probably signing autographs now for all you know. yeah. So yeah. Um, I've totally lost my train of thought since I was talking. <laughs> talk- I'm kicking are you, just like just, just, like okay, Tony Oliver, you're going <laughs> you're going down. All right, I think we have Can other we questions. Can we
2: work that into the con schedule? Maybe.
0: Somehow? Yes. Extreme anime con. Yeah, we got some questions from the crowd, but you have another question here from. No, this is from this is from the audience. Uh, uh, people want to know the process that you have to go through to get some of your comics and some of your manga published. Oh, that's a good question. <clears throat> There's this guy named the Devil. <laughs> and he has these contracts that you sign in blood, but Sonny can tell something. about You can go to a crossroads.
1: Um, well, uh, I had several books published, uh, as I said, before I became a voice actor. Um, after there's I became a voice actor, I was, was at a signing. On my first the signing was at, at Comic-Con. They were Comic Con, massive convention. Um, yeah. And there was a woman named Wendy P, who is the uh, creator of a book called yeah. Health Mind Mind and yeah.
2: Yes. Love some
1: uh, book I've read since I was 14 years old. Anyway, her booth, booth was right next to our booth, and we didn't have enough room in our booth to sign it. And so she, she offered her space to let us sign in her booth during our signings, which was really nice. And she did that because she was a huge Dragon Ball Z fan. <laughs> so she decided wow. to draw us pictures of our characters with her characters oh and gave them as gifts, you know. So I went back to my room that night, that's Got out my sketchbook and drew all of our characters with empty voice balloons so that all the actors could thank her personally and with her main character, Cutter. And I gave it to her as a gift the next day. And she looked at it and she said, I-, I didn't know you could draw. And I said, well, you- I have about 12 books published. And she said, do you want to draw for me? And I was like, is this a trick question? <laughs> yes, I would love to draw for you. And... um I said, So I, I signed on to do two fifty-eight 58-page stories for her, and I asked her if I could do something else, because I kind of felt that my artwork reached a plateau, and I always wanted to study under a master, so I asked her if I could move to L.A. and work in her studio and be her apprentice. And she looked at me like, really? You want to do that? And I said, amazing. yes, I want to do that more than anything. So I moved out there uh, and worked for a year under her, and I learned more in that year than I did than 10 years on. My and after I did those stories, and that's the thing, too, you, the, the, if you want to break into the business, you just keep drawing. Put out books, put out many comics, get exposure. The more exposure you're going to get, the more it's going to lead to something else. you know. And like I said, I had 12 books published. I remember publishers coming up to me from books that I had published on my own uh, saying that they wanted to publish me for something else, too. Uh, and the more exposure you get, I mean, you can't always get on a TV show to support it, but... The more books you do, the more work you put out there, the more people are going to notice you, and the more they're going to remember you. And that's the most important thing, is to get people to remember you.
0: Okay? Interesting that you talk about publishing comics. A lot of uh, people here at this convention probably have web comics. They probably have uh, DeviantArt sites, things like that. Mm -hmm. What do you think, for those people as far as getting published goes how do you think they should go about that because or do you think that getting exposure to the
1: website is a way to go that, I, I think that's one way to go I think that will get you some uh, recognition but really hitting conventions like this comic book and anime conventions because usually there are publishers out there and um, get mini comics you know mini comics are inexpensive enough even if you are just getting printing enough to give to publishers because it's much easier for a publisher to look at a book and see what you can do. Then like some random pages or a big script. You know, that's really hard, especially at a convention. You don't have time to read a script. So you want to have some comics done and it to people.
2: Yeah. It, it also demonstrates that you can actually finish something, which is really important to being able Very to do something important. professionally. Because there's a lot of people that have talent. But if you can't actually deliver.
0: Yep, absolutely. Ladies and gentlemen, A.F. Oscar celebrity, Mr. Spooky Electric, is, is present here. Everyone come to the A.F. Oscars tonight to see Spooky Movie 2 and, uh, and make sure to boo it heavily. I'm sorry. You, you, you mentioned um, uh, you were a fan of ElfQuest uh, growing up. What other uh, comic books were you really interested in at that time? And uh, even now, are you still recombing? Cerebus.
1: Comics? I was a big fan of Cerebus. I mean, Elfquest. A lot of independent comics because I wanted to be an independent publisher. Um, so I was into that. Uh, a lot of books. From, you ever heard of a company called Fantagraphics? Yes. Uh, I hate Eight Ball. Those are some of the books I read from that. Um, I, I did like all the Marvel books and all the DC comic books too. Manga really wasn't that prevalent when I was young. I'm 42 years old, so I remember back then. Uh, now my favorite manga is a book called etc. And, and you've seen it, it's really cool. About this little girl named Man Chow, who. Uh, who has this gun that if she puts animal hair or essence on it, somehow it'll shoot a bullet that is that animal's bullet, like a rabbit gun or something like that. What does a rabbit gun do?
0: <laughs>
1: well, let's see. Um, say somebody is running away from the past. Oh, <laughs> just...
0: I got bullets. They can
1: run a heck of a lot faster. Than... <laughs> yeah, but she doesn't like to kill people. Oh. But the rabbit thing will chase it down and, and knock it over her uh Uh, A full bullet could knock over a building or a wall or something like that, you know. Nice.
0: So you mentioned um, your new book, uh, uh, what you called uh, the Tokyo Pop comic that you put out. We Shadows. We Shadows. Once again, what's that date that's coming out? The 7th. The 7th. Everyone be sure to pick that one up. Um, What do you classify as the big difference between the manga and, and the comics
1: that you were reading before? Well, you know, that's a really good question. and I had to figure that out. My first proposal to Tokyo Pop, they were looking for American style comics to do American style work. And so that's what I did. My first proposal was in an American style. And um, after... Um, after I sent in the proposal, I got an editor's interest. And what they do at Tokyo Pop is they have a, uh, a pitch session before they go to the publisher. And they have all the editors, and the editors try to figure out what the publisher is going to like and dislike about this proposal. So they saw it, and and he calls me back and he says, you've got the whole editing staff torn in two. Like half the people say this is way too different from the stuff that we publish, and the other half say, well, that's what we wanted to do, you know, go in that direction. Well, I didn't want it to just die on that. And I said, well, what if we did two proposals? We do one in my style, and then we'll do one that is in a manga style, and um, he said, can you do a manga style? And I said, dude, my day job is staring at anime. I think I could fake it. So, so I put together four pages uh, in a, a manga style and gave it to them. And he, to his credit, he didn't want to push me either way. He said, well, how do you feel about the manga style? And I said, well, now that I've done it, I can't see it any other way. And he's like, oh, thank God, because everybody loves it. And I said, OK. So I went in the manga style. But it took... About six months of negotiations to get the contract the way both parties were happy so in that six months I really studied manga and tried to see what I liked about it you know what what which comics I gravitated to I'm more in the comedy line I like tension and things like that you know? <laughs> so there's a lot of that um, and uh, there's a lot of you know of course my elf quest uh, I can't get out of my system so you'll see that in there too but um, I think the most important thing about when you're developing a manga style, though, you know, is you not to be derivative. You know, you don't want to look like somebody else's style. Um, and I realized that, because I, I drew, like the first four pages I drew looked totally like Tenchi. Right? And then after the months of studying it, I realized the last thing for me to do was to forget everything I knew and just make it my own. And that's what I did. So right now you live
0: in? Texas, mm-hmm. and you mentioned that you went to LA to be a apprentice. Mm-hmm. How important is it, as far as like having to move around to where these venues are? Like, what are obviously a lot of the anime dubbing happens in Texas. Right. As far as uh, comics go, can you just be anywhere for that, or are there like hotbeds for a comic book
1: creation? Um, well, New York is obviously a hotbed for uh, comics, especially American comics. And uh, <coughs> excuse me, LA is also a big one. But you don't have to be there. I mean, most cartoonists live the life of um, authors. You know, they can live anywhere they want to because it's all sent through the mail. Through the mail. Now, it's all done digitally and online. So, you know, um, big, massive file like 1,200 DPI files, sent through the internet, and it doesn't really exist in reality. It's taken to the printer and printed out. And as
0: far as uh, that also can extend to the voice acting work as well, right? I've heard some instances I would say of people who have like look, home studios, Yeah. and how would you say that works out?
1: I say, if you want to be an, an anime voice actor, especially when you're first starting out, I would go to where the work is. Um, after I got the part on Dragon Ball Z and I got a few other parts, I, that's when I moved out to LA. But I was the first person in Funimation to not live in Texas and work there, and they really came this close to recasting me as Krillin. I told them, I will be back once a month to record, and they did not believe me, but I did. I flew back once a month to record, I found uh, Priceline at that time you could get really good rates, and, and I would fly back once a month and record Krillin, and then go back and study at, and under Wendy and draw the comics for it.
2: Um, you had mentioned that you had done traditional theater work before, and you hadn't initially planned on being a voice actor. Was it difficult or strange for you to go from stage work to being shut up in a booth recording um, voice acting?
1: It was a little, little weird doing it for the first time, but um, I was also a puppeteer. And voice acting at anime is a lot like being a puppeteer because you're matching mouth flags, right? So, you're, but it's instead of you being the puppeteer, the screen is the puppeteer. And you're the puppet, and you have to respond to what's going on in there. So, it wasn't that difficult. As a matter of fact, we have about eight puppeteers at work at Foundation. Even Sean Schimmel, uh, Goku, uh, was also a puppeteer. There was a highly important question from the audience.
0: <laughs> the, the question was asked: uh, You ever get like telemarketer phone calls? and that you want, it, you want it to just leave you alone, go away? You ever use like a, a, a voice like Krillin or something to, to
1: annoy these guys? <laughs> no, but um, sometimes I do things, I say things, like if I'm driving, I'm like, Get off the road! You know, And I sound like Krillin, and I wonder, did I always sound that way? Since I've been playing Krillin, you know? And like, Krillin laughs, and it's like... <laughs> like that, which is my dad's laugh. He goes... <laughs> but lower. And then sometimes I do it now, and I'm like... Did I always do that? <laughs> Perhaps, mm. or
0: or it could just be a case that you know you've just you've been in it too deep for too long inside the booth. Yeah. You ever, you ever get the urge to maybe shave your head? Draw some, <laughs> draw
1: some dots in there and just walk around and, and challenge people. No. Um, but I, I will say this, and I, I think we uh, Chris Savitt and uh, Colleen and Travis and I were talking about this last night over way too much whiskey. Uh, (laughs) But We are talking about how, uh, as an actor, you tend to take with you uh, the characters that you do. You know, you you take with you aspects of them. Um, Even when they're evil characters, sometimes you take that with you too. You kinda have to exercise it out of you. But, because what you are doing is you're finding within yourself that person. Because within all of us, I believe, is every other person who exists. It's just how we perceive them as what you're portraying.
0: Of course, the life of an actor isn't really all roses. We've got to know, what, what were the ridiculous jobs that you had to take in between, you know, all these huh. theater works and things? Uh, you, you look like the type who must have a lot of restaurant experience.
1: <laughs> I do? Uh, actually, yeah. Um, the, I did take the entry level position as an actor waiting tables. Um, I did that for seven years, waiting tables, uh, while I was going to school, even. And uh, I was also a hotel um, night auditor. I worked as a groundskeeper on a horse ranch in Virginia. Um, I uh, managed uh, a telemarketing department.
0: <laughs> oh, so you had to annoy yourself when you had to. Yeah, tell.
1: I was really good at telemarketing, sad to say. Yeah.
0: So y- you literally had to to shovel manure to make it as an actor. No. No, not, that's what groundskeeper I did, is a horse? I, I, it, was a, it, was a,
1: yeah, it was a show
0: place, so I had oh, to okay. pull weeds all day. No. That's much better. You, yeah. you have to get
1: your hands bloody. Yeah. See, everyone's hands. The blood will not wash off. It was a good experience, off. though, because it, it uh, taught me how to work hard. And when I came back, and I, I decided I wanted to be a cartoonist. And to be a cartoonist, it takes a lot of effort. You're working a day job, and then you come home and work a job you don't get paid for, right? But uh, compared to pulling weeds on a massive ranch, there's nothing, you know. So I could could work 16 hours a day, and it it didn't bother me. And I think that if you want to make it in any business, you've got to have a good work ethic.
0: As far as work ethic goes, you mentioned um, these comics that you published independently. Mm -hmm. Were you pretty much, did you have to deal with editors then, or any kind of deadlines or the like? Or do you just, was like, all right, well, I'm going to sit down and make this and I'm going to do it in this much time and then pitch it to whomever. How how does it work the structure?
1: Well, when I was self-publishing, I was my own editor and, uh, like I said, I had a really good work ethic and I was very hard on myself. And you have to be very hard on yourself, criticize yourself, find out exactly which I still do that. And I tell my friends when I show them my books, they say, be brutally honest. What do you not like? What do you understand? What do you don't understand? Because that is the only way to improve. You have to get rid of your ego completely. Okay. And know that no matter what they say, it's not an insult to you, okay? It is just something that they didn't understand, you know? And it might have been that they didn't understand it because it just wasn't their thing, you know? Because what somebody else doesn't understand, another person will think is genius. But, so you have to take it with a grain of salt, but listen to people. And listen, if an editor, if you go to a portfolio review at a convention, listen to the editor. Shut up when they're talking. Just be quiet and go, uh-huh. Thank you. Thank yeah. you so much. Thank you for your time, and that's it. Don't because if you go, well, yeah, I, I know, you, I know, you think that that panel should should be like facing the left side and everything, but you know, when I was drawing that one, I, I was thinking that, well, I was drunk, first of all, and then um, I was thinking that maybe, uh, yeah, okay, it didn't work at all, and nobody wants to hear that. You're there if you're there to show a portfolio. You're there to learn, so just listen to people.
0: And, and on the subject of just listening to people, this directly ties into that. What is the
1: preferred brand of whiskey for Sunny Straight. <laughs> it's a brand that's hard to find out here. Uh, it's called Weller, and you can find it sort of in the central area of the country. I don't drink a lot, though.
0: <laughs> right. No, seriously. No. <laughs> uh, but yeah. Um, as far as the anime side of things, just to go back to that, you mentioned that when you were cast as Usopp in One Piece that you were very mindful of the original Japanese actor. How yep. often is it that um, you study the original voice? <coughs> do you think that's beneficial to the roles? Or do you, would
1: you prefer to just, you know, have your own creation for the characters? It depends on the show. Um, like with Dragon Ball Z, I mean, it was a woman who voiced Krillin first, and there was no way I could match that voice. <laughs> <coughs> and originally... Um, I have been screaming. The halls on that. Uh,
0: who would have thought that you know, Dragon Ball Z actors would scream all day?
1: <laughs> Good, keep and,
0: stalling. And get paid for it. <laughs> it's like, all right. And, then, and
1: traveling on top
0: of that. Traveling scream. on top of that. And then you get to the point where it's like you, you're so much into the character, you stub your toe, and then you instinctively scream
1: for <gasps> nothing. All right, I'm ready. All right. What was the question? Oh. Uh, uh, Yeah, so she was, you know, there's no way I could have matched that voice, right, which is brilliant, right? Um, And originally, uh, Ocean Group had done the first season of Dragon Ball Z, so we were all cast because we could mimic the original people, right? Mm -hmm. And then, like, the first day I went in to to record, Barry Watson, who was the director at that time, said, um, You know, uh, you do that voice perfectly. You sound just like Terry Closs in the original, but um, I hate that voice. I was like, what, really? And he like, he's, yeah. Um, can you make him sound tougher? You know, I know he's a little person, but can you say I'm like a tough little person? So I said, yeah, I'll think about it. And I went home and thought about it, and I realized that I had an opportunity to make this character my own, which is a rare opportunity. So I went and um, bought a bunch of the manga and read the manga, and I wanted to get inside the character that way, because I relate to comics anyway. And... I recommend that if you're auditioning for a show. And if the manga exists, read it before you go into the audition because you will be able to play it. Um, But then, like with this show, I had to mention, I was in another show in L.A. called uh, I'm Going to Be an Angel. Uh, it's kind of an obscure one. But they really wanted to, us to be as close to the original Japanese as well. And I like working that way. It's a fun challenge because you get to hear the original voice in your head first and then you repeat it back, you know. Uh... His name, character. Mikael, the angel. He, he speaks at the beginning of the show. And he speaks at the end of the show. And he has a book. And everything that it happens in the story is in that book. And it Because originally it sounded like... Wish, 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 wish. Yeah. So, <laughs> so you had to do the NPR voice for that
2: one. Exactly. So speaking of Krillin being tough, like, how much exactly do you resent all the aliens in DBZ for stealing all the glory and making Krillin look like a joke?
1: You know, that's a good question, and I think Krillin thinks about that a lot, too.
2: <laughs> because,
1: you know, Krillin's first appearance in, in, uh, Dragon Ball, he was Goku's rival. You know, he wanted to kick ass over him. And he was a little badass, I mean, he really was throughout the series. And then he kept hanging out with these people who were obviously from other planets. And he was the strongest human on the planet, you know. And to be a little person and be the strongest human on the planet is quite an accomplishment. And yet, you're right, he was overshadowed by all these powerhouses around him. So I I, I did play that up a little bit in his character. I I think we said in the back of my mind when I read my lines that he was quite envious of these people. But at the same time, he loves martial arts. So he is fascinated by it. And when he sees these guys doing these things, he is like, I got a front row seat to the best show in the universe, you know?
0: All right. I think um, there was a question from the audience that is also very important that you have to request be done. It's a request. Oh, yes. Um, <clears throat> because uh, we really need more schooling fangirls. Um,
1: this uh, request was. Uh, was for uh, something for you to say in the voice okay. of Krillin. And it was requested if yeah. you could say that uh, Roy Mustang looks dead sexy in the mini-series. No. <laughs> is <laughs> <Jeez>, Hughes! It's <inaudible> Hughes, <or> <inaudible> uh, Hughes.
0: <inaudible> 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 It would be in continuity. All right, all right, everybody, I'll, we'll give you a second to get Crossovers ready. Crossovers are bad. All right, all right, that's enough time. Okay, here we go. Yeah, we, okay.
1: Well, I gotta tell ya, uh, Roy, uh, listen, honey, I was thinking about you the other night, and, uh, I think that you look dead sexy in a mini skirt.
0: I can't help but notice that the Q's just got up and walked out of the room. <laughs> I can't imagine why. <laughs> oh, well. It, it's his, it's his law. Go chase him now. You'll do it. Uh, you. No, no, don't, don't do it. No, see, see we aim to please. How, how often do you, do you get requests like that? Like bizarre things, like record answering machine messages and the like?
1: At, at least once every signing. Yeah. Somebody brings in something for me to record or something.
0: What's the weirdest thing you ever had to sign? <laughs>
1: I, yeah, I just, you're right. I signed so much breast earlier today. But you know what? No, was man. I was a gentleman. <laughs> was it man-boob? <laughs> made sure it was legible <laughs> so that she would be able to something really nice to oh, take was, home. Oh, okay. So it wasn't a guy's boobs. Then.
2: It wasn't man-boobs. No.
1: no, there were no man-boobs. Okay. Because I mean, If I did, that would be the weirdest thing I had to say. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, that's, that's the most interesting thing I have to say. I don't know if weird, Nobody maybe just too many weird things. Although one time this uh, girl had made these uh, little clay figurines that she made at home, which were awesome, uh, of all the, uh, cool
0: yeah. of this cast, that was really cool. It's, uh, yeah, there's another, another request, is that, okay, he's, he's, he's had second thoughts, he's realized the error of his ways, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there's a question in the back,
1: what's the question in the back? How do you go about finding these objects?
0: The question is, how do you go about finding these auditions? You mentioned there was an open audition for Funimation. How did you There's discover that that existed? Um, you have an agent? What's the deal? Yeah, uh,
1: a lot of actors have agents. I don't have an agent um, because I don't want to share. <laughs> uh, and in Texas, you don't really need one because it's a right-to-work state. You know, An agent can help you find some work, but you can also go to, like, actors' websites. And most towns who that have acting will have those and just look it up and see... You know, and they'll tell you what the auditions are or who's auditioning for what. Uh, you can also join certain organizations. There's a lot of them you know, to do that. An agent will help you find the work, though, but you know, they can also do your own research. You know, uh, What Funimation, ADVs, these are big names that most of you know. You just do some research on Google, find out where they are. Most of them even list their phone number. Call them up and say, hi, I'm a local actor, and I'd like to be invited to your next audition, and they will most probably let you come in. And so, and do your research on the characters before you go in. Is um, that is that true?
0: Um, well, just uh, another thing about auditions, wise. I know a lot of people, um, voice actors, when we have these uh, interviews at conventions, they talk about uh, making a demo reel. Have you ever um, done that? What do you have any recommendations for people and such?
1: Yeah, that, that's a good question. Um, I've. Uh, I've did a lot of casting for Funimation to too. Uh, sometimes we have like different rounds, like I'll even do a casting session before the director does the casting. And I get some demos sometime, and I'll tell you how often I, I listen to the demos is, we yep. never listen to demo tapes. It is really a waste of time and money, hmm. because we don't have time, okay? what you have, What we do have time though is to let you Get in that booth and show us that you can wow us with a character voice that we can use. And if you can do that, we'll remember. Now, I will say this. If you do a headshot, a headshot, don't have to have a headshot, but if you have one, it sometimes helps us to remember who did that voice, you know, even though we have it written down and it's like, oh, was that girl? Oh, that girl. Yeah, I want her. She's really good. Um, So a headshot helps. Not a lot, though, because nothing helps better than a good read in the booth. If, if, I'm, if I'm doing the casting director and somebody walks in the booth and they give me a good read, they get four stars by their name and pass it on to the director of my own. So really,
0: don't waste your time on it. Big burning question that's been on my mind ever since this, uh, this interview started. We've got to know, what is the deal with the grasshopper on uh, ah, chest here? Uh,
1: well, when I was uh, studying under Wendy Peeney, uh, she used to call me Grasshopper a lot, and I used to call her Sensei. But that's not what this is from. Uh, my dear friend Ashley, right here, raise, raise your hand. That is my own personal Grasshopper. I have been uh, working as her Sensei, teaching her to write the past five years now, right? She's actually. That's true. We, if, well, when you started writing poetry. And I actually made her a character in my book. What happened to all my stuff that was right here? It's, it's, maybe you put it in here for me? Thank
0: you. We, we swiped it. We swiped it. We ran right. off with it. Swiped it on eBay.
1: Yeah, and she actually uh, inspired me to uh, create this character called Voice. Who, I can um, see that. Oh, there who is go. a poet who, who speaks prophecy through poetry. And... Um, she gave me this today, so, thank you. Aww. Aww. Aww that's sweet.
0: Now, let me just get one. Um, you mentioned that, uh, you know, you had an apprenticeship with someone else who, you know, they said, okay, snatch the pebbles from my hand, and now you two are, <laughs> you've got the... Create my own lightsaber. Indeed. And so, what would you say has been, of all the... The constructive criticisms we've received over the years. What would you say has been like the most helpful thing that somebody else imparted to you as far as advice or criticism ed- has affected your
1: work? Um, wow, that's a good question. I'd, uh, there's so many, uh, I really can't fit it down to one. But, uh, but the good thing about having uh, an apprenticeship is that you have this master's voice stuck in your head for the rest of your life. <laughs> and anytime I draw a page, I hear her say, no, no do this, or, this. <laughs> or, or, you know, this would work better if you did that, and it's always there, and it will always be there. And a lot of it is stuff that she never even told me, you know, but it's like you just know. You gain some of, the, yeah, I know what Wendy would say if she saw this, you know, and she would tell me why it works or why it doesn't work. Um, so I highly recommend, if you could find that, um, a lot of uh, people would be willing to take on an apprentice, and not all of them are willing to pay you to do it, um, but Wendy wasn't willing to pay me, so I was very fortunate that way.
2: Um, back to for a minute. I'm sure obviously you're your own favorite ADR director, but um, in terms of other directors that you've worked with as an actor, who would you say is your favorite ADR director to work with?
0: It's alright, they're not here to listen to <laughs> Like, hey, how come he didn't mention me? We won't tell. You know, you're
1: safe. My absolute favorite director was Chris Savage.
0: And, <laughs> oh, gee, he's here. To- <laughs> hey, there's- back
1: here? No, no, he's, oh, he's <laughs> at the time.
0: Yeah. yeah. Uh, Chris Sabbath
1: was my favorite director. Colleen Klinkenbeard has directed me a lot, and she's amazing. And Colleen um, is a, a, an expert at natural reads. Mm. If you want something that sounds very realistic and very, you know, slice of life, she can get that out of you, and she will work you hard too. <clears throat> Chris is fun. He is the funnest person to work with. And when I first started directing at Funimation, his advice to me was. And it's the best advice I've received, and I wish all uh, directors had this. Don't discredit an actor's read just because it's not what's in your head. Listen and see if it actually works for the scene. If it does work for the scene, you might as well take it because probably what's in your head is cliched. Because you're going to think of the first thing, you know. And these actors' jobs are to come up with something. And if you pay attention to them, you can get some fantastic reads from them. And I took that to heart. And it, if you check out like the Lupin movies, you can really see that. Um, I, I really listen to what they say. And I think, does this work in the scene? Is it just as valid as what I would say? And if it is, then I leave it.
0: No, I forgot what I was going to say. It was, it was a follow-up. And I've forgotten it. But yeah, no. Um, As far as the... Uh, Acting wise, say like the difference between like say Colleen is very good at the natural style reads, versus um, the more exaggerated style. Would you say most anime dubs tend to gravitate towards which style do you prefer? Any sort is one more difficult than the other?
1: Well, I uh, I really uh, I'm good at comedy, and I also like things that have an emotional impact. So I, I like uh, those two areas. If you read my book, you will see the same thing. There's a lot, of, a lot of heavy emotions, you know, a lot of romance, you know, and the same types of hardcore comedy in it. Um, so I, I, that's sort of my specialty. I think that's why they gave me the loop of movies, because I knew that uh, I could pull that off. And um, I like anything that has heart in it. As far as comedy goes, obviously,
0: that's something that has to often be changed quite a bit from the original Japanese material. A lot of times, what's funny in uh, Japanese mindset might not be funny to us. You mentioned a lot of improv went into the Lupin movies, but you also mentioned that you've done a lot of writing. Can you talk about some of the things that you have to consider as far as adapting things for humor?
1: Yeah. Yeah, a lot of times they don't translate, but usually they do. I mean, there's something that you just have to really be sophisticated with your translation. Um, It's like, well, we have an equivalent to that type of humor let's put that in there. Um, what was the second part of that
0: question? second part of the question was as far as writing things are oh. concerned.
1: Uh, and like when I was writing uh, Lupin, you know, I knew my actors and I knew how they read things and, and I got to know them instinctively too, kind of like having Wendy's voice in my head. When I was writing the scripts, I just started uh, writing as I knew they would read it. and. Um, I think I knew them better than the the other writers for the show because they would improvise all through the other scripts, but with my scripts, they would just, oh, that's good. They would just say it, you know? And I would say, yeah, because I was thinking of you when I wrote it. I knew how you would say that.
0: All right, now I remember what I was going to say. Okay, a lot of people always, um, they're really fascinated, especially people who come to Anime Cons. They're very fascinated with becoming the uh, voice actor side of things. But as far as um, elements that make up a good anime dub, would you say it's... The actors that really make it, or the directors, or the writer, what would you say is like the main like element that can really make the difference?
1: I'm going to have to say the director, because the director has the final word on it. Um, you can have a tremendous cast and still have a crap show. Yeah. Um, as a, in a case of point, I mean, everything at Funimation, I mean, not everything at Funimation is cold, um, but you used a lot of the same actors in the same show. and. Uh, you have to say also maybe the original material might not have been as good, you know. Like, have you guys think grappler baki? I love that show. What are you talking about? He loves this
0: show.
1: <laughs> it's just crap. Yeah, whatever. But
0: um, no, I'm just kidding. No, no, it is. Don, okay, <laughs> no, no, no.
1: okay. Good. I'm not kidding. <laughs> it's really, boring. Um
2: Daryl loves terrible things.
1: But I mean, you got the same actors, the that show, right? You even had some of the you had, uh, some of the directors who've done this done stuff there, done better stuff there. Uh, But the original material, there's just so little it offered, you know, so I think a lot of it depends on the show But mostly it's the director because the director is your lifeline you have most people go into the booth They have no idea what's happening the director They depend on the director to tell them what happened before this what happened after this and how they should say it You know at least what their um, motivation is for that line. All right, uh, let's see, how much time do we have? Oh, okay, we got,
0: we got a couple minutes left, but I think, if I'm not mistaken, the following people who are supposed to be in after us aren't actually here, like, ah. for whatever reason, so we can go as need be. Uh, are there any additional questions from the audience, just in case? Okay, we got one. Um, I know you kept
2: talking about your family, and on your MySpace it says, this is my daughter
0: Alicia, uh, Alicia. so do you ever,
2: like, actually talk to people and be like, oh, well, this is my family?
0: All right, yeah, question. <laughs> w- wanted to know, does he actually introduce his real
1: family the way that Hughes from Full Metal Alchemist does? <laughs> Not in the same voice, but yeah, I have a very proud uh, husband and father. Oh, okay, we got one over here. Um, to
2: what extent are people allowed to improvise in
0: anime? How much are people allowed to improvise, especially considering there's lip flaps and stuff to keep in mind?
1: That depends on the director, and it depends on the actor. Some actors are incapable of it, you know, but they still do beautiful reads, so you keep them around, you know. Um, That's something that's kind of a unique talent, to be able to um, improvise with flaps, you know. Um, And very few can do it. Most people who can have also been doing this for many years. um, Sabbath is one of, Chris Sabbath is one of the best at improvising with flaps, but he's been doing it for many years. And when he started out at Funimation, he was a contract uh, director, which meant that he did tons of voices and for the same rate. <laughs> he did, yeah. And, uh, but he got his revenge because eventually he went contract and uh, they had to pay him per hour for like 13 different characters. So he totally banked and started his own studio from that. <laughs> but um, yeah, so uh, Chris is incredible at it. Uh, Phil Wilburn who plays Zenigata in my version of Lupin, He's uh, awesome. A lot of these people. Uh, Mike McFarlane is great at improvising. But he's a, he has his own improv theater in Dallas, too. Um, so it, it plays a part, because some directors don't want you to. Some directors are just you know, in love with the script the way it is, and they don't want you to change it. Uh, but it does come in handy to have the ability, because sometimes the lines, either they're not really well-suited for that particular line, or... They didn't match the flaps well enough, you know, so the director has to come up with something on the spot. And if you could help them out, you know, by uh, offering a suggestion for that line, they really appreciate it. Going
0: back to some of your background stuff, I know a lot of people who uh, are here and that want to be voice actors are also themselves currently doing uh, drama classes or theater <laughs> and the like. Are there any particular aspects that you'd recommend that they... Emphasize on or focus for say theater work or improv or singing,
1: that sort of thing? Well, theater is outstanding for you if you want to be a voice actor. you just do community theater, you know, get some experience at school or whatever. Because when you perform in front of an audience, you get a really good idea of what timing is. And how because you don't have an audience in a booth, but you have to have it in your head. You have to know what the what a good timing is for the salon. And that's a good way to get it. Also, voice lessons, singing lessons are really good because they'll teach you warm ups uh, to get your voice uh, set for a session. And as you can tell, your voice gets really abused. Uh, so you need to be able to warm up beforehand. And uh, also, when you, when you take singing lessons, your voice becomes very flexible. And the more flexible you are vocally as a voice actor, the more parts you're going to get. All
0: right, so are any, any others? I thought I saw some hands go up, but apparently everyone is freaked out. Had not. Wait for that kitty back there. okay. All right, so we got the one here. If you could
2: have played anybody else in Dragon Ball Z, who
0: would you want to play? If anyone, given the choice of playing any other character
1: in Dragon Ball Z aside from Krillin, who would you have chosen to be? Um... I really was lucky because I, I don't would not trade Krillin for any other character.
0: Not even Mr. Popo. <laughs> Mr. Popo. Uh, no. I, I. But if I could
1: play an additional character, I would probably Vegeta. Yes.
2: Yeah. I love that character. The punk.
0: <laughs> All right. Well, I guess it's um, oh, okay. We got one more. Did you ever, when you were making the dub for Full Metal Alchemist, were you permitted to improv
1: as Hughes? Yeah, because, um, Colleen Klinkenberg was one of the directors, but also Mike McFarland, who I mentioned earlier, is a great <laughs> improv actor. Uh, he was one of the directors, too, and uh, he, if, if I could come up with a better read of uh, improv, he would be, like, all over it. Yeah. He also played Goemon in Gnarly movies.
0: All right. Well, um, I guess it's it's three thirty. Even though technically no one's probably going to be here, I guess um, we should probably wrap this up. Um, unless you, you really want us to, to keep asking questions. You, I got questions. I got I got things I need to know. And I could also, if you wanted to,
1: did everyone was in the signing line? Did, you, did anyone have something they need signed? Up oh, the hands We're are coming not up. We're doing that until you know the next uh, group comes in. Okay.
0: Yeah. But, but yeah, just so everyone knows, um, come back here at 5.30, and we will be talking to Colleen Quinkenbeard, who is uh, Risa Hawkeye, from Full Metal Awesomest, among many other things. Rock on. And so, um, just uh, everyone, give, uh, give your regards and thanks to Mr. Sonny Straight for having this conversation. Thank you all. And actually, for my, for my own ego... Yeah, I have a request. Um we have a an issue. show.